We're building the best internet talk radio on the planet. Prepare for glory! TalkZone.com Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. School bells ring, and the old-fashioned school day begins. But, is that schedule outmoded? Is it shortchanging our kids? InfoTrack's Taryn McCall has the story. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. Six hours a day, 180 days a year. That's the school day most of us, going back generations, have dealt with. But many experts agree that template is outmoded, and with a restructuring, children can learn better. Our guest today on InfoTrack is Christopher Gabrielli, who, along with Warren Goldstein, authored Time to Learn, How a New School Schedule is Making Smarter Kids, Happier Parents, and Safer Neighborhoods. He's co-chair of the National Center on Time Learning and an expert on public policy in the nonprofit arena. Welcome to InfoTrack, Chris. Thanks for having me on. What's the basic argument for restructuring school day? Pretty simple. In many of our schools, we really just don't have enough time to achieve either what should be our goals, I think, to give kids the basic academic skills, English and math and so forth, that they need to succeed in this economy, nor enough time to give them the kind of well-rounded education that we all think kids should get. And the reason they don't have enough time, because we're sticking to a calendar we've had for pretty much 100 years, probably served us well in a different time and era, but it doesn't serve us well today. And there are now more than a 1,000 schools around the country that have broken free of that, and they have a lot to show for how much more you can do when you give teachers and students you know, a little more time, about a couple hours a day more, to both improve academics and to experience the full range of things kids should learn about. One of the complaints we hear about the teaching to the test method is that enrichment programs like art and music fall by the wayside. How does your plan account for students who may benefit from such programs? That's exactly right. I mean, everywhere in the country, people call it the narrowing of the curriculum. We see schools saying, well, I need to do better in English and math, so we'll do more English and math and less everything. Less recess, less lunch, less science, less history, less social studies, less art, less music well-documented, and of course that's a mistake. You should have music and math, and you should have you know, literacy and languages. With enough time, schools can do both things, and they should. What happens to traditional after-school programs under your plan? If students are staying late to do art classes, say, what happens to cheerleading or football or music? Most of the schools who have been early adopters of this serve students who, quite frankly, generally don't have a lot of opportunities in their lives to get a piano lesson or participate in a town sports league or other things, and they're the kids for whom the need is greatest, you know, high-poverty kids in our urban and sometimes rural communities, and I think that's the initially most sensible place. I think over time you may see, though, more middle-class communities say, why can't that all be integrated into what a child's opportunities are? Why should there be a whole separate part of life organized around tutors and Kumon and Princeton Review and all of that and organized around music lessons and arts exposure and so on all away from schools. Why can't my school give my child the full range of things that is good for them and send them home about the time when working parents, you know, come home, keeping them out of trouble and frankly keeping communities safer. So why can't we just envision schools that meet that full set of needs? So talk about what a typical day under this new structure would be. Typical day would start 7.30 or 8 or 8.30 in the morning, go till 3.34, 4 4.35. It varies in community to community, but be about an eight-hour day in which students have a blend of more core academic time so they can really deepen those skills. They can do more sort of project-based and experiential learning so they can have the full breadth of learning, you know, strong science and technology programs, 
exposure to foreign languages and cultures and other things that should be part of an education. They have arts and music and drama, sports time, all blended in during the day and get sent home at the end of the day when their parents will be coming home from work. And by the way, get sent home with quite a bit less homework because much of what we now call homework is practicing skills that can be practiced just as well at school and, in fact, better since there's someone there to help you, to correct you if you don't know what you're doing. Who knows what they're doing, unlike some parents would admit to. Do kids like the idea of a couple of extra hours of school each day? Well, I think if you ask it to them that way, no. Uh, <laughs> but what's interesting is that schools that are doing this, kids are very satisfied, partly because most of them are more engaged, especially as you get to middle school age kids. They want to be participating in arts and debate and forensics and dance and all sorts of things that schools haven't been offering them. So they see school as a place that's more fun for that. Many of them also do notice that with more time, teachers can answer their questions. They can individually help them. They can challenge the kids who are doing the best to more interesting work. So they see the difference to themselves. And so that is why students who experience it like it. Also, quite frankly, when you just expand the day, students are pretty accepting, young people, of whatever you tell them the schedule is they go along with. So it's also not too tricky to just define it differently than we have. We tell kids to stay away from the ever-growing set of temptations out there, especially as they reach middle school and high school age of drugs and alcohol and go on down the list. But our behavior is we put them out of school at 1.30 or 2 o'clock when most of their parents are not actually at home and say, you know, why don't you make good choices? We're talking with Christopher Gabrielli, co-author of Time to Learn, How a New School Schedule is Making Smarter Kids, Happier Parents, and Safer Neighborhoods. Let's talk about some of the costs, though. I imagine most of the schools that are already on this kind of program are private schools and well-funded. Switching the template to public schools where you have to pay teachers more for longer days might present a bit of a problem in funding. How would that work? The 1,000-plus schools we've read about in the book are all public schools. There are private schools as well. You're absolutely right. But we just looked at public schools. Now, most of those 1,000-plus that have already done this are charter schools. And one of their advantages is they can set the rules the way they want. They can hire the teachers they want. And some of them do pay the teachers somewhat more. Some of them don't. Some of the public schools that we talk about in the book, though, are both schools here in Massachusetts that are part of the only state program in the country that allows schools to convert to this schedule. And the teachers do get paid more. It's about 15% more to get about 30% more time. So there's a pretty good leverage there because you're not paying for another bus or another lunch. You know, all the money goes right to educational time for the kids. And, you know, the truth is every year in America we keep spending more on education in general. Our results for that greater investment have been very disappointing for a long time now, especially around the achievement gap and the kids who struggle the most. And, you know, the results have been real striking here in Massachusetts. The first group of schools that converted immediately had striking educational gains, 39% increase in the percentage of kids reaching proficiency in English language arts, 44% in math, 19% in science. So strong gains across the board as well as a better rounded education. So it's results like that that I think are attracting interest for other states around the country who want to find something to invest in that'll work. Chris, how can parents work with their local school boards to affect this change? Well, first and foremost, I think they need to start a dialogue with their schools and the school system. Why do we have the hours we have? How are we spending the time we're spending? We advocate broadly that states should become engaged in public policy that allows schools that want to do this to convert. We don't think anyone should be made to do this, but we find many schools already know they don't have enough time. And if states would step forward and say, we'll give you the tools you need to succeed, 
you can. A lot of this can happen locally, though. We know of schools that have converted, you know, on their own, figured out how to make the money work, figured out how to do the process of conversion, and have succeeded. So, you know, we encourage parents to ask an obvious and fundamental question to schools. Why are we going the hours we're going? How are we spending the time within those hours? And is it adequate to reach the educational goals we have? And starting that debate, I think, will lead to really positive outcomes. Is there a website with resource information that parents can go to? Absolutely. Timeandlearning.org. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Christopher Gabrielli, co-author of Time to Learn, How a New School Schedule is Making Smarter Kids, Happier Parents, and Safer Neighborhoods. Thanks for sharing with us today, Chris. Thank you for having me on. And I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.